We had a great morning this morning. How many people were in church this morning? Just uh, loving God. Thank you for coming. But I think it's sort of sparked our worship a little bit uh, tonight. And, uh, you know, sometimes the messages, things that actually come to you really can change your life. You know, sometimes it's a, it's a song that can change you forever. It's sometimes a message can change you forever. Sometimes a word from God can change you forever. You don't, you know, sometimes we look for the for magnificent. And sometimes it's just in the simple, isn't it? And I trust tonight would be one of those nights where your life is changed and you understand again a little bit more about worship and praise. Tonight I want to talk about getting it so I can give it. And we're talking in our last week of uh, about worship and the attitude of worship and how important worship actually is. And we talked this morning a little bit about hell, which is an interesting subject. Many people came to me afterwards and said, thank you for talking about a subject that hardly anyone talks about <laughs> and how hell is just a real place. And I promised you I'd talk tonight about heaven and to be able to appreciate these two big picture thoughts in our life. Because worship is really attached to our understanding of heaven and hell to a large degree. You know, this idea of salvation, of God rescuing mankind, people like you and me, is, is a phenomenal story. And uh, we're in the midst of that story somewhere as God is rescuing mankind and bringing them to himself. But how amazing that story actually is. And that when it comes to heaven and hell, the Bible's not silent on who will go to hell and the Bible's not silent on who will go to heaven. God makes it very clear, which is amazing and it's, it's a wonderful thought. Imagine if we were gift, uh, left, uh, you know, wondering about where we're actually at. Tonight we're talking Mark 8.34. If you can turn to that, Mark 8.34. We're going to go really fast because that five minutes of fame was fantastic. don't know who led that. Mark 8, chapter 8, talking about heaven and hell tonight, talking about an important reality of that. Mark 8.34 talks about people who come to God and how important it actually is. Uh huh. And so it says, and then he had called the people to him with his disciples. Also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's an amazing thought that Jesus actually said, because in any crowd, you've always got, you know, the, the disciples and then you've got just the viewers, the followers, the friends, this, the other people that hang around the message. And so it is today in church life. We have people who put their hand up to say, I want to be a disciple of God. I want to be trained up. I'm a believer today. I'm a Christian today. Then you've got other people, and you may be here tonight, I'm sure you are, who just stand on the, on the, on the outside looking in to what God would have. They're not perhaps non-Christians, but maybe Christians who are just friends of God and not decided to be a disciple or someone who's disciplined or trained up in the things and the ways of God. And so that's, that's okay, but we're going to talk about some of those things tonight. And so we have here, the word says that those people, whoever desires to come after me, Jesus said, he's called all the people to himself, with his, also his disciples, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The word deny is important there because it actually means to decide uh, to be able to, to uh, not have something you'd like to have, especially for religious or spiritual reasons. Deny yourself is to not have something that you'd like to have, but you decide not to have it for spiritual or religious reasons. Does that make sense? So Jesus is saying this is a life of not just denial. It's not a life where, you know, you're always putting things away. It's a life that you put things away so you can take on the more. So it's like repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent only is 2% of the conversation. 
repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Guys, come and look and see what I've got for you. Uh-huh. And, and the emphasis in the past has been a lot on repent rather than come on, come on and come and see what I have for you. So we're talking in the light of that tonight and the appreciation and how wonderful it is for us to be able to understand what Jesus is talking about. In Romans 6, it tells us something again, and we're just building up so we don't get too excited. Romans 6 tells us here, it's a wonderful passage for those who want to step forward and step closer to God. Romans 6 tells us, Here in verse 11, perhaps is a good place. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful thing. Uh-huh. In verse 7, going backwards, it says, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Uh-huh. So it's meaning that you, you put death to sin. The word sin essentially means missing the mark and all the things that go with that, the shame and the guilt and the disappointment and the discouragement of constantly missing it. Constantly, oh, I didn't get that right. Oh, I didn't get that right. Wow, I didn't get that right. Wow, I didn't get... it can look like divorce. It can look like losing a job. It can look like discouragement. It can look like hopelessness. And the Bible says that when you become a believer, you come, become dead to missing it <laughs> and alive to hitting it. Uh-huh. Why, why do you hit it? Because you know what God wants. You know what God wants you to do. So we, be, we become dead to missing it and alive to hitting it. That's the reality of what he's talking about here. And so he says in verse 7, 13, which is one of my favorite scriptures, and do not present yourself as members as instruments or your, uh, uh, of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Isn't that wonderful? So when I present myself to God in worship and stuff, I'm like, oh, God, I'm nobody and I'm like this. He said, no, present yourself as if you've been raised from the dead. I don't know how you'd be if you'd been raised from the dead, hey? I think it would be just phenomenal. You go, I, I, I was dead under the ground and then I came alive. And how's those guys in the... Uh, I think it was Ireland, was it, um, don't quote me on this, but was it St. Patrick or one of those where he'd been accused uh, by, by uh, uh, the, the folk for killing people and all that sort of stuff because he was rising up and doing what he was doing and the Catholic Church rose up against him and so on and so forth. And, 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 he, and they were taking him in a cart. I'm not sure if it was him, hold me right, but it was one guy and they were taking them in a cart. And as they was doing that, the wheel fell off the cart. He was in prison inside the cart and the wheel fell off the cart. And, they, and, and uh, these three men, I think it was, two or three men turned up like this. And they said, where are you taking this man? And they said, well, we're taking him to, to think because the king wants to see him or whatever it is and he's in trouble and stuff like that. And they turned around and said, you know, and the, the guy said, who are you? And they said, well, we, we were a witness to that, that what actually happened. And that didn't happen. He, wasn't, he shouldn't be accused of this. It never happened. And they said, what do you mean it never happened? You weren't there? Because what had happened is they got rid of the people who were witnesses to it. And killed them. You know what they'd done with them? They were buried them in the graveyard that was just behind where the wheel fell off the cart. And they came out of the graveyard and were standing there brushing the dirt off themselves, giving testimony of what just had happened. Wow. <laughs> Come on, you can't kill God. Hey. And he who he chooses to resurrect, he will resurrect and he will lift up and he will strengthen. That's the power of what he's talking about. And so this morning we talked about hell and we talked about how God doesn't send people to hell. 
But hell is there for those people who reject God and say, God, you know, I don't want you in my life. And we talked about that whole approach, didn't we? There's a slide that just would help me understand this. Satan continues his efforts to make sinless offensive, sin less offensive, heaven less appealing, and hell less horrific, and the gospel less urgent. John MacArthur said that many, many years ago. And that's just such a true statement, isn't it, to people's lives today. And I believe that as people today have a reality of hell and a reality of heaven burning in their hearts, the conviction that they carry in sharing that with others is so powerful. It's so powerful when you share that with great conviction to people that, friend, heaven is real. It somehow, you know, throws a, a blanket of apathy that sometimes has settled over people to go, oh, heaven, I don't know if it's real. Or, Hell, I don't know if it's real. Even our, our you know, shadow uh, prime minister, so to speak, has said that hell is not real. Bill Shorten said it recently. He said, hell is not real, so therefore I don't believe it. Therefore it doesn't exist. Therefore don't worry about it. Well, then why are you trying to sue everybody for speaking about hell and heaven if it doesn't exist? That doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, the world doesn't make sense. But how can we, we grab the reality of it? And I believe the conviction that believers carry over the reality of heaven and the reality of hell is so powerful to impart to people's lives. Are you with me today? Uh-huh. And so when it comes to that aspect of, of hell, I talked this morning about how hell is, is the opposite of heaven. i just touch on one or two of those things if you want me to tonight. But hell is necessary because why? Because of the seriousness of sin. Hell is necessary because sinners cannot bear to be with a holy God. And hell is needed because there must be a choice. And we talked about hell being full of darkness, that there is no light in hell because God is light. And so there is no light in hell. It's constantly dark. For people who are scared of the dark, you will be terrified of the dark. We talked about there's no wisdom in, in hell. And so therefore, the Bible says that wisdom spirals upward. It takes you up. It releases you. But if there's no wisdom in hell, then therefore, all your thoughts can do, it can spiral into the depths of negativity of that, of that thing. So if you're tormented on earth with, with reality, you're the torment They'll have no hope to escape from it or no ability to ever escape from your thoughts plummeting even further into discouragement in the depths there. Darkness, there'll be a separation from everything God um, or good is. Love, mercy, grace, kindness, joy, satisfaction, beauty. Uh, imagine being deprived of these things forever. That's hell. That's hell. And I said this morning, the, the, the volume of our praise should be proportionate to the size of hell we, be, we believe that we've been rescued from. And, and so our praise should be proportionate to that, to know that Jesus, and we sang about him tonight, that Jesus has rescued me, rescued me from this hell that I was destined to. He did something for me that I could not do for myself, and all of us combined could not do for me or for you. It was only one man, a sinless man named Jesus, who came along and called me by name out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious light and rescued me from, from uh, the sinless nature of my life or, or hell that I can be thankful now to him and say, God, I thank you. And when someone says the name of Jesus, I go, that's my Savior. That's my Lord. That's my God today. That, that Well, he's not just dead. He's alive because he rescued me from where I was over to here. And I know he's rescued some of you as well. And that's the power of the rescuing sound of the victorious shout of praise and worship that should flood across the land. 
Uh-huh. Either he did or he ha- either he has rescued or he hasn't rescued you. Two types of people, people who are born again and people who are not born again. Jesus said it plainly. He didn't say you need to be born again. He said you must be born again to inherit the kingdom of God, to be able to step out of darkness into his glorious light. That's where I can sing Jesus. That's why I can praise Jesus. That's why I can thank Jesus. It's not just about to hell. It's also from, so, sorry, to heaven. It's also from hell. Uh-huh. That's the wonder anyway. I'm just getting excited about, uh-huh, like that. Hell is a place of frustration because there's an inability in hell to be creative. Satan is not creative. Nothing will be attainable and nothing will ever be able to come to completeness in hell. Uh-huh. And so tonight, if you've never given your life to Jesus, we're talking about where you're going to live for eternity. That's where you're going to live. And the Bible's not short at labeling out who will go to hell. You only got to read Revelations 21, isn't it? And it tells you, it identifies some of the people who will go to hell. You know, some of the people who are liars. I'm not talking about telling a lie. I'm talking about whoever lying. They're lying people. Dishonest people. And it also says in this category, people who, who, who you know, uh, all these sort of people will go to hell. But one of the people that's interesting, the types of people who go to hell, in this category is cowards. It says cowards will go to hell. Think, wow, God, how does that work? Because they're too cowardly to say the name of Jesus. In this world today, when, when you take uh, the, the, the spin off hell, you take the spin off heaven, you take the spin off the gospel, all of a sudden we've got a very apathetic, but it, you know what we have got? We've got a very pathetic gospel. The minds and the hearts of people don't hear it because it's not sharp in the hearts of those who are convicted. The word conviction, as you know, to have a conviction means what? A belief you're ready to die for. A conviction is a belief. You're going, I believe this with my believer who believes it. Uh-huh. The last one is, it, it, and this is not the last one, but for the sake of time, I'll use it as the last one. Restlessness. The Bible says in hell there is no rest day or night. You ever had a restless night's sleep? Add that by quadrillion and welcome to your world. That's amazing, isn't it? But hell, you know, should not, so to speak, scare us into heaven, but we should lay out the facts to know where we're destined to if we don't choose God and continually choose God. So when it comes to worship Him, when it comes to praise Him, I can thank Him. I drew it up this morning. I'll draw it again for you just to help me practice my drawing. But if that's a picture of you and we're able to, to worship a beautiful and holy God and, uh, and appreciate God in all His majesty and His glory and to be able to do that as I worship Him freely, that's where the Bible says, if I bring my tithes and offerings, I'll have an open heaven. Remember how I said the giving is not the end, it's just the start? And I take advantage, God, I've got an open. So can I tell you, God's ramping things up a little bit. It's not business as usual. And I believe the devil is trying to throw an ap- apathetic blanket over the church. And it's warming people who want to be warmed by it. When, when you're warmed by a blanket, Jane does it to me sometimes. I don't like it. I, I've told her that, so I'm not done. But, but Jane does it to me sometimes. When I'm asleep, she'll go and throw a blanket over me. And, and I get too hot, and then I wake up. Uh-huh. Come on, I hope that if the devil flows a blanket over you while you're asleep, you'd wake up. 
I go, come on, I'm not settling for this. I want the fire of God around my life. I want the purpose of heaven around my life. I want an open heaven around my life. If it's possible, I want it. Uh-huh. And so I can live with an open heaven, but sometimes what marks us, as I said, is, is sin. Or also doubt can do it in our minds because we have questions that are unanswered. Too much questions in your mind, because there's answers to these questions, too many questions in your mind will always build doubt in your spirit. Uh-huh. And there's answers to the questions. As I said this morning, people say, well, you know, if there's, if there's a God, why is there so many starving people in Africa? I say, well, if the, you know, if there's so many dentists, why is there people with cavities? Because you have to go to the dentist. It's not automatic. It's like that with God. You've got to go to God. If we had nations that would go to God and stop worshipping their idols, God could heal them and deliver them and, and see the power of God flow through their life. So there's a restlessness there, a restlessness in people's hearts. And so God unlocks, or Jesus unlocks this for us so we can have a wonderful life walking with Him. So we can just say, thank you, Jesus, for being able to do that. In Genesis 28, 17, uh, let's turn there for a moment because it's relevant to what we're talking about tonight. Genesis, well, we're going to have to go real quick. Genesis 20, 17, uh, you're going to be excited in a moment, especially Taylor. I felt God was going to encourage Taylor tonight. Genesis 28, 17. And it says something interesting because it's where you're sitting tonight. I talked this morning about the fear of God is the best thing to have in your life. Having the fear of God in your life is the biggest thing you can have that can starve out natural fear. People have a lot of fear about things because they're too scared and they don't have the fear of God burning in their hearts. Come on. When you know that God's rescued, can I go through it again? When you know that God's rescued you from darkness uh, and He's taken you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in the kingdom of darkness, there's a, there's a strength that's there. There's a confidence that's there. And then you learn to, to fear God. God, I respect you over everyone and everything. And I respect your order, and I thank you, God, that you're God of order. And I can praise him and thank him like that. It's called the house of God that he calls me into. And there's a blueprint to the house of God. It's found in the book of Acts. In 28.17, it says, And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Oh, come on. This is the gate of heaven. The house of God being the gate of heaven. You're lined up before the in the gate of heaven. How's your praise and how's your adoration and how's your worship? Huh? At the gate of heaven tonight. Uh-huh. I love doesn't mean you're gonna die tonight. It means being able to live a life of worship and praise and adoration to God. And so tonight as we really appreciate that worship is one of heaven's great op- op- occupations. Uh-huh. Worship is one of heaven's great occupations. Heaven will be full of worship all the time. Full of worship all the time. Wondered how that would be? Surely there must be a limit to how many songs you can sing, don't you think? <laughs> but think about it like this. Because everyone who is born again is to give an adequate testimony, and because each one will uh, lead to a fresh outburst of praise and worship, we will need eternity to do it. Can I say that again? Because everyone who's born again is to give an adequate testimony. And because each one will lead to a fresh outburst of praise and worship, how good is God will be the effect. Praise God forever. Each one, when you step up and give a testimony, yours might go for three weeks. But we'll so be interested. We'll so be attentive to that. And each one will go, praise God. Did that? Oh, that is amazing that actually happened. 
And so heaven will be filled with this constant praise and worship as millions and millions and millions of people give their testimony. If you always thought that I got to get hold of this mic, think about it, you'll have the mic of heaven <laughs> to be able to give your testimony as long as you want. <laughs> and people, will, there must be millions and millions of Christians that will all be in heaven, all keen to speak God of God's goodness. Uh huh. Isn't that amazing? Think about the angels. The Bible says the angels will worship. Uh, a friend of mine. He was uh, uh, running a youth camp, and he was speaking at this youth camp. And in amongst the uh, break they had at the youth camp, he went down by the creek, and he walked along the creek there just to get a break and just to get away from the crowd for a minute, ready to go back into the next session. As he goes down to the creek, he sees an angel worshipping. He says, I don't know about you, but he said, this angel's standing on the water. He said, it's massive, and it's standing there worshipping. Now, you know, some people say things and you go, yeah, that's great. But this story, I think, is too good to make up. <laughs> you know, it's too, you know. And he said, this angel is just standing there worshipping. He said, I stood just sort of almost behind a tree thinking, you know, it, if it saw me, it might disappear. He said, but it didn't. Obviously, it would have known that he was there. And he said, this angel is worshipping God. And he said, you know the interesting thing about the angel? He said that out of his mouth was coming all harmonies, all voices, all sounds, all instruments, all at once. He said it just opened its mouth and all these sounds came out and went to heaven. He said it was absolutely amazing. He said I could have listened to it for hours and hours, the different sounds and I don't know all the other words that Heidi would know, Pastor Heidi would know all the musical terminology, but it's doing them all at once, all the time, perfectly perfect pitch and, and you sort of think wow and he said i just had the privilege to stand there behind this tree and listen to this angel worship god and the bible says they'll stand around the throne of god singing holy 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 people go, oh, couldn't they think up another word <laughs> you know like guys move on but when you think about it they're all singing in all genres all sounds all instruments, all at once, in perfect pitch and harmony and all of that sort of stuff, uh, unto God. I think, you know, that will be entertaining in itself, don't you think? And, and apart from this, we'll be able to create, create a sound or a mood all the time that there'll be fresh, constant flow of new songs. Because each new song that will be sung about the worship and adoration to, you know, and appreciation to God, about a testimony, there will be fresh, constant flow of songs and praises and so on. You think about that. That will be incredible. Because why? Because we'll be in a creative mood because heaven is full of creativity. So a whole bunch of new songs will be written about the experiences that I actually have because heaven is full of creativity. You think... People go, oh, I'll be getting tired. I get tired singing and standing up for 15 minutes. You know what? You'll have a new body. It's not going to be taking pills and potions. Uh-huh. It won't even need 15 coffees before worship. Uh-huh. Your new body will just, just worship God. You won't get tired. You won't get sick. And some of you who can't even sing, you'll have beautiful voices. Uh-huh. Praise God for that, says me. Uh-huh. Not, not because of you, but because of me. Uh-huh. And so here this, this creative, creativity in our thinking will be inspired all the time. And we'll have new tongues and, and will enable us to sing beautifully. And, 
will always be in tune. How can anybody remain silent when God's around? How can, how can we remain silent when, when God's in the house? And I love that sort of thing. See, oh, friend, come on. Heaven will not be a dull place. It will not be. It'll be an exciting place. Why? Because God is not miserable. He's vibrant. He's emotional. He's joyful. And his impartation of that reality will be all around him and all around us. God loves real worship. He loves it and he looks for it. Uh And God will even enjoy himself in heaven because you're there. Why? Because he's looking forward to you being there ever since you were born. But more so ever since you were born again. He's looking forward to it. God is looking forward to worshiping with you. Huh? And honoring and singing and being able to stand and write new songs and all that creativity there. He's been thinking about it for so long. (laughs) Well, I think that's exciting. And Jesus said, you must be born again. I think that's a wonderful thought when you think about it as we finish tonight, being able to appreciate that, God, we're on the winning team. When we get born again, and Jesus said, can I say it again? You must be born again. You can't get yourself into heaven by yourself. You need Jesus. I talked this morning about being good and how important it is that people don't base their reality on getting to heaven, on being a good person. I'm a good person. God wouldn't send me to hell. I'm a good person. Friend, good people go to hell all the time. Good people do. Because they reject Christ. Because heaven is not based upon, or your entrance to heaven is not based upon you being a good person. We talked about that this morning. If I can just preach his license, say it again. But, and I, I say this to people all the time in coffee shops and different places. If, you, if it's based upon being a good person, how good is good enough? How good do I have to be to get to heaven? 100%? If I had to be 100%, I'd have to be perfect all the time. I don't think any of us are perfect. Well, I am. Are you? You ever told a lie? Ever? Ever been dishonest? Maybe in a board game or something like that. Ever been dishonest? Ever cheated? Ever, you know, done something that's inappropriate? Well, all of sin then have fallen short of the glory of God. So your 100% thing is not going to get you in. We have to make that lower. So let's make it 90. We make it 90%. Everyone that's 90% good can get into heaven. What happens if the person sitting beside you is only 87% good? Would you let them in? Well, you can't because you just made it 90. But they're my friend, they're my mother or my uncle or my auntie or my brother or my sister can't we let them in well only if we drop the number what do you want to drop it to 85 what happens to the people who are just a bit below that that you know they're just not a nice person but they're related to you and you really do love them and care about them you gonna let them in they don't even 50 oh, couldn't let a 50 in so therefore if you look at it that way your ability to, or your desire to get people into heaven is actually more cruel than God's. God says, I wish that no person would perish and all of them would come into a knowledge of me. God says, if you're not born again, not because you want to go to hell, but because you haven't chosen heaven, because you haven't chosen heaven, because you haven't chosen God, then hell is automatic. 
Well, how do you know this? Well, people say, look, they get, they get offended when you say, look, you haven't been born as a good person. Yes, I have. Well, why do we have to discipline kids if everyone's good? How many people have never been disciplined when they were a kid? I feel sorry for you. You haven't been disciplined when you are a kid. All of us have been. Why is that? Because there's a nature inside of us that wants to keep going that way. If you let it go because we don't set boundaries as parents, then people just run a mile with it. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. And his heart went out in that statement. He said, you must be. The amazing thing is that God says, you need to do this when you're alive, not when you're dead. You can't do it when you're dead. You have to do it when you're alive. Be born again. Some guys we were witnessing to once, Bribey Island, outside a pub. Fly right out, come out, bikey, tough guy. Mate, you want a track? God loves you. Oh, you stupid, blippity, blip, blip Christians. Who do you think you are? God's not real. Wow. Pretty upset. Pretty angry at somebody. Jumped on his motorbike, rode off down the street, flat out, straight through a stop sign, a car T-boned him and was killed instantly. You don't know how close heaven is. You don't, you don't know. I don't know how close hell is for some people. And would, you know, tonight, if, if that was the answer, if, that, that was the, if you had that, you got into heaven. That was your ticket. And inside that, when you opened it up, there's a whole bunch of other tickets in there that you could hand out to people. You know a lot of people do? She's right, Jack. Got my ticket. I'll be right. Got my ticket. I'm right. All the tickets just rot in our pocket. Rather than having a conviction on the inside to, to go, hey, I've got something special here for you. Would you like to talk about it? I'm so glad that someone was brave enough to talk to me about the gospel. Aren't you? I'm so glad. I'm not angry at that person. I'm glad. They did. And, and don't underestimate, as we finish tonight, don't underestimate the power of your conviction of your understanding of heaven and hell. Don't underestimate it. This month as we come and worship and finish this month on worship, when sometimes you get educated on things, education is a wonderful thing, it can take away the doubt. Because why? It's because God comes along and He straightens out the question mark and makes it a path that you can walk on. He takes away your sin. He gives you open heaven to God. But you know what? To a large degree, it gives God an open heaven to you. And you can feel, you can feel like you can feel in a natural relationship, a covenant love that comes over your life. To the mode that my life is safe with God. In fact, it's the safest place ever that I could be. And the church is the gateway 
to heaven. And I come and I honor God and I thank God in his local church because I've found now there's other people walking around the planet called believers too. We come together in his house. In the Bible, they came together every day, but we just sort of a bit slack sometimes. We just come together once a week. <laughs> we say, God, you're real and I trust you and I believe in you. Friend, tonight, as we wrap it up, heaven and hell are real places. If you're not sure, let's talk about it. If you are sure, let's move on with a confidence. But let's not be shy at explaining to people out of our conviction. I've sat in coffee shops and places all over the world, stood behind pulpits and places like that, and talked with such great conviction that hell is real. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ. I think sometimes, I, I say this very graciously and honorably to God, is that sometimes I think it's the depth of my conviction that sometimes has helped people get across the line. Because there's someone that believes. Let's not be, well, you know, heaven's real. I think, I hope. <laughs> We're all hoping. But it's the strength of that hope that's important. I say this at funerals, every funeral I do. I say this, people are lying here in a casket. I say this, Fred today will only be saying one thing. One word will be on Fred's lips. That word will be Jesus. If he's in heaven, he'll be saying, Jesus. If he's in hell, he'll be saying, Jesus. But they'll mean very different things. Father, tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, you talked about salvation. We talked about it tonight. And in one scripture, it says, Today is the day of salvation. Today. Today's the day when I say Jesus. Maybe, sir or madam, you've come today, young person, you've come today, and Jesus was just a swear word. It's just another word. But all of a sudden, the name Jesus has become a whole new thought to you. My Jesus, rescue me from hell and not just left me hanging, but placed me in heaven where I'm destined to live out my time for eternity. Friend, eternity is a long while. And the decision that lies right at your feet tonight is a decision for eternity. You must admit it's more important than which house you'll buy or which car you'll buy or who you'll spend the rest of your life with. It's your life and God. If God is real, then hell, hell is real and heaven is real. You're right. God wouldn't send good people to hell. But people would send themselves by not choosing heaven. Friend, I'm going to ask you tonight, will you choose heaven? 